Welcome to episode 5 of Your Parenting Podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Bamford. Thank you again for your continued support. And let's get started. Let's talk about pain for a little while. At the risk of sounding like a hypochondriac, we're going to talk about a bunch of my traumas and make them funny. Not too much to do with kids, but we'll throw a little bit of parenting tips in there probably. And as always, you can send your parenting stories, parenting tips, life hacks to yourparentingpodcast at gmail.com. I'd like to think that I have a pretty high pain tolerance. No, I don't think this makes me a tough guy. Quote, unquote. It's just one of those things that I'm good at. It's taking pain. Believe me, I wish it was math, because I would probably make a lot more money. But it started with um, a back injury that I had in my 20s. Back in the old glory days, the old party days, the bad old days. And it came from just general lack of health, not lifting with my legs. And I had worn down uh, the discs in my back. And uh, to the point where one of them just kind of popped. And I remember that, uh, ironically, it was during a time that I was trying to get in shape. Back when I was uh, a part of Planet Shitness. And I remember I was on a, an exercise bike with all the other old ladies. You know, finish my routine. And then I get off the bike. And I just kind of turn a certain way. And I feel a pop in my lower back. And the next thing I know, I'm staring at the ceiling. And this was, I, I want to say I was 23, 24. Around there, early to mid-20s. It's been a while. Um, and I remember one of the trainers, because I couldn't put any weight on my left leg. And one of the trainers, I wish I could remember his name, he looked like a younger Mr. Clean. You know, asked me if I needed help, did he need me to take me to the hospital, call an ambulance. And I just said, no, you know, just get me to my car. You know, I'll go to the ER. So... Instead of, you know, like a bro throwing my arm over his shoulders and walking me out, this asshole picks me up like we just got married and carries me out to my fucking car. But regardless, you know, I make it to the ER and they do a basic x-ray. First they tell me it's, oh, you pulled a hamstring. I kept telling them no. You know, I heard the, or I felt like a pop sensation in my lower back. Oh, uh, no, it's your leg, it's your leg. Okay, fine. Uh, it takes about two months to find the doctor that'll finally diagnose it, who actually sends me to get an MRI. And they say, oh, you have a, a herniated disc. It looks pretty rough. 
you said the herniation was kind of close to the spinal cord, I guess. And uh, at that point came the quest to get it repaired. And this is back in the good old days of the pill mills. It was easy to get your hands on some pain medication. Now at first, and I want to clarify, I was not really a drug seeker. It's just, you know, standing was one of the least worst. Laying down kind of hurt. Sitting was the worst. And it was just that, uh, you know, most of you now recognize this as the sciatica, you know, where the pain starts in your back and then shoots down your leg. Um, this is before, you know, I had kids, and so thankfully I didn't have to worry about that. Um, once I find the doctor to finally do the MRI, you know, I carry around those films everywhere. And then it takes about two years of living with this until I find the doctor that will fix it. And at first, um, you know, I would see a doctor, all these pain specialists, you know, back specialists, spine specialists, and I would show them the films and they would say, no, this is too risky for surgery. You know, here's a prescription for Vicodin, you know, with eight refills on it. Yeah, and uh, this is also how I got hooked on the pills for a while. Because at first, you know, when you're having chronic pain, you don't really get a high from them. You just get a little bit of pain relief. But eventually you have to take more and more and more for it to make a difference. And it got to the point where you know, I was getting desperate. It's like, and not because I was out of pills. No, the pills were easy to get. You know, any doctor, you could just, you know, show them the films. They say you have a legitimate injury. Insurance will cover it. Vicodin, eight refills. And it got to the point where I was taking just, you know, handfuls of them just to get out of bed. And then I finally found... Uh, a good doctor, or at least a ballsy doctor. One of the ones I should have gone with first. And I think at the time when he was recommended, he just had kind of a long wait to get in to see him. Which, you know, the two months I would have waited compared to the two years that I did wait, obviously was, was minuscule. But I don't want to name him because he is still in practice. And he's still a great doctor, but still, you know, I don't want him to find out that he was named on a podcast that seven people like. And uh, he's also, you know, a personal friend of my mother's. But he finally, you know, took a look at my MRI film, saw my history. Especially when I went into his office and didn't ask for pain meds, you know, Looked at him, you know, with tears in my eyes, just said, please make it stop. And he just kind of said, ah, fuck it, I'll do it. You know, not in so many words, but, you know, made it sound like a simple, you know, simple deal. The hospital I worked at at the time is where I had the surgery. And, uh, now during this, you know, simple procedure, I believe it was called a Lumbar discectomy, but don't quote me, I may have, I may have misnamed it. But uh, during that procedure, the surgeon nicked my spinal cord. 
Now, obviously not life-threatening. If you can hear my unedited podcast, the sound of my flip-flops means I can still walk. I wasn't paralyzed. But the downside is that I had to lay on my back for 48 hours afterwards, I guess just to make sure I didn't have any leakage and you know, or seizures or whatever, you know, that can be caused by the loss of spinal fluid. So you can imagine laying there in the hospital bed. You have the little leg squeezies on you. Make sure you don't get blood clots. And then if you have to pee, you have to kind of log roll yourself to the side. Kind of shuffle your junk into the little urinal and hope for the best. Um, that was, I got to the point where it was, it wasn't a, a sharp traumatic pain, but we'll say that's a six out of 10 and it became psychological torture because I lived with it every day. And when you have a chronic pain, it defines your whole life. It's almost like having an addiction, which eventually when I got fixed out of the back pills or the back pain, excuse me, pills, Freudian slip. I realized I had a problem with those pills because once the pain was gone, you know, and I just had a habit, kept taking the pills all of a sudden, it felt kind of nice. So I had to like force myself to get off of that. And now it's just, I get nervous, you know, taking those. I, I don't like to have prescriptions like that. You know, usually Motrin is my, my go-to drug, which I want you to remember that because that's going to come into play later. Uh, but when you have the chronic pain, you know, back pain is, especially in your lower back, because it's not like an ankle where you can kind of lay up on some pillows, uh, you know, rest it a little bit. You know, you use your lower back for everything. But, uh, you know, it took two years to get that sorted out. Uh, and now, I mean, I still got to take it easy, you know, no contact sports. Not that any of you expected any kind of athletic performance from me. But, you know, had to take it easy. You know, that's when I'm supposed to lift over 50 pounds. You know, shit like that. So we'll call that a 6 out of 10 on the pain scale. Next, we move on several years later to a kidney stone that I had. Now, I was somewhat blessed with my kidney stone because it was giant. Um, same thing, I was at work. Uh, back when I smoked, I was outside with a coworker having a smoke. All of a sudden, it felt like somebody shot me in the side, you know, on the left side, right underneath my stomach. Uh, at first, I just was like, eh, maybe it'll go away. And then it seemed to get worse. And then for about a half hour, you know, it got progressively worse for about a half hour, and then it just kind of stopped. And at first, I was like, you know what? I'm good. You know, I'm sure my diet of, you know, Cheetos and Monsters and cigarettes is, is treating me just fine. But I was like, you know, I worked in an ER at the time, so I was like, you know what? Let's just, just, you know, for funsies, get checked out. Uh, so I go and get a, a CT scan. And the, uh, the kidney stone uh, was about the size of a dime. It was 15 millimeters. Most kidney stones are one to two. And the reason this one 
was a good thing was because it was so large, the reason it stopped hurting was because it stopped moving. Now, obviously, eventually this would kill me. I can't just live with this forever. And it stopped moving because it was so big, it got stuck right where the kidney meets the ureter. Which, for those not in the medical field, that's the tube that leads from the kidney to the bladder. And it was too big to go through that tube. Now, obviously, this was a problem. I couldn't just leave it there. But that was why it stopped hurting. So some of those people that have those kidney stones that are 1 and 2 millimeters, you know, people make it sound like it's not that big a deal, but a kidney stone isn't just this small, shiny, polished, river-worn pebble. You know, it's this jagged ball of hatred and demon tears that tears its way out of your bladder. And then most men will have to pee it out. Now I get it, you know, childbirth is painful, you know, but most of your shitheads get an epidural so you don't feel half of it. You know, I couldn't get an epidural for any of this. Instead, what I got was lithotripsy. And they said, oh, we're going to break the stone apart with sound waves. And part of me, the comic book part of my brain thought that sounded so fucking cool. And I said, is it going to hurt? They're like, no, you know, you just kind of lay on your side. And there's like this kind of a rhythmic thumping, almost like you're, you know, sleeping next door where there's a party going on. And then uh, they said, all right, you're good. And they gave me this little tray with like a net type thing. And I said, oh, what is this? I said, oh, it's, your, it's a strainer. And the nurse then informed me, you're going to pee out all of those stone fragments, a bunch of smaller, sharper stones over the next several days. So, yay. And the, I forget what year this was. I want to say I was 26, 27, around there. I know it was Christmas. Because I don't get shit on just a little bit. Um, and I remember realizing the things you take for granted. Um, like peeing without screaming. I remember those good old days where I can just go pee like a regular guy, you know, write my name in the snow, that kind of shit. But that first time, it is terrifying. You know, even aside from the pain to pee out, you know, pure blood. Uh, thankfully, it wasn't as bad as the nurse made it out to be. Most of it was broken up into just like sand grain type things. Still uncomfortable, don't get me wrong. Wasn't great. You know. We'll call that a seven. You know, super sharp pain, but didn't last long. Was able to get it out. And now it was a fun story for my ER friends. And now, to my defense, I hold held the record for a good number of years for the largest kidney stone out of the hospital employees. Now eventually it was beat by another nurse who had a kidney stone about the size of a golf ball. But she had like a chronic condition, so I don't, I don't know if I should count that. Maybe they can list it with like an asterisk next to it, like Barry Bonds' batting record. Hey, look at that, I made a sports joke. That's right, I'm branching out. My shit's real cerebral like that. Uh, but anyway, we'll call that a seven. Uh, moving on to most recently... The uh, thrombophlebitis, which is a fun word to say, and I can't say it without putting that weird inflection on it. Thrombophlebitis. 
Um, that was the condition of my leg where the veins decided they were going to swell up. Now, I don't know if I can't remember if I went into detail too much on the last uh, podcast or whatever it was I mentioned it. But uh, I have, you know, bad varicose veins. I have these zombie legs. And I've had them since I was a teenager. Most people that know me, you know, I've had bad feet, bad legs. I have varicose veins on both legs. So when you see me at the beach, you know, with long pants and shoes, that's usually why. But they've never given me a problem. They just look disgusting. Um, and then on the, uh, the right leg, right behind the knee, and all of a sudden it started to look like a tangle of tree roots and uh, became super swollen and painful. And I can only describe it as somebody shoving a knife in the back of your leg and then telling you to just function throughout your day. So you can't take the knife out, just leave it in there. And then, you know, talk to me in a couple of days. You know, when that first happened, I thought I was having a DVT, a deep vein thrombosis, the kind of blood clot that kills you. Because that was really kind of what it mimicked. I woke up in the morning, all of a sudden it was swollen and hot and red. It's like, well, fuck. It's a big one, Elizabeth. For any Sanford and Son fans out there. And that one was um, incredibly painful. That was a, a constant, you know, 24 hour a day, you know, just kind of a dull, throbbing, you know, combined with the sharpness of the, of the knife-like pain. Then, the, you know, go to the ER, you know, obviously no DVT, you know, which is, you know, good news. You know, go see the vascular guy, tells me to wrap it. You know, it's healing well. You know, after about a week, I mean, believe me, it was a miserable week. A miserable two weeks. And it's like, I felt like it wasn't getting better. I mean, it kind of was, but it's just, it was hurting so much. It was hard to notice that it was getting better, even when I was wrapping it. And because, you know, and I was still even taking you know, some of the heavier pain meds, you know, to help me sleep just because at night it was just, it was rough. You know, I wasn't a big fan of taking those, um, you know, the opioids, whatever you want to call it, narcotics. You know, definitely took the edge off. But, you know, my main drug of choice was Motrin. And some of you may see where this is going. Motrin is what's called an NSAID, a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug. And apparently, if you have a little bit of a gastrointestinal problem that you didn't know about, these kind of drugs will fuck your shit up. And uh, a few days ago, earlier in the week, now, granted, I've been taking, you know, 800s of Motrin several times a day. Probably more than I should have, you know. But I have a job where I sit a lot. So it was, you know, it wasn't helping. So a few days ago, last week, I want to say Tuesday, near the end of my, my work shift, I all of a sudden spiked this crazy fever. And I'm talking from you know, within 20 minutes, I was fine. And then I felt like it was 100 degrees and my hands were shaking so bad I couldn't send a text message. 
And I was like, you know what? There's just a half hour left in the shift. I managed to, you know, make it. Thankfully, that night, uh, my wife had the kids over with uh, her mother's on the other side of town. And I said, that's fine. It's like I'm catching something. I hadn't had a chance to get the flu shot this year. So that's probably what it is. I'll just, you know, I'll go home and sleep this off. Maybe I'll take the day off, you know, the next day. It's fine. So, you know, I, I barely make it home. I mean, I'm like, you know, almost convulsing in the car. My shakes are so bad. I'm going back and forth between blasting the heat and blasting the air conditioning. But oddly enough, I'm not vomiting. I'm not shitting. I mean, usually with the flu, you know, you got to fire it out of both ends. Which, granted, I was thankful for, especially being in my little car. And then, of course, of course, right before I get to my neighborhood, like right at the entrance in my neighborhood, there's a fucking accident. And it, you know, just happened because the fire trucks and the ambulances are just pulling up there. And then I'm far enough back in the line. It's like, I can't really see what's going on. My first thought is like, somebody better be fucking dead because I'm feeling terrible. And then as I get closer, I start to feel bad about that because maybe somebody's really hurt. But it's still like, I have nowhere for my anger to go. You know, all I want to do is roll down the window at least and just yell, make good choices. But I don't say anything. You know, I get home, I can barely get out of the car. And I just, you know, jump right in bed. You know, I have these crazy fever nightmares. But sometime during the night, fever breaks. I wake up in the morning feeling just fine. Uh, just as the beginning, you know, of the of the awfulness. And then uh, next day, you know, I, I go through the whole next day feeling fine. You know, I, the fever kind of comes back a little bit, but it's like you know what? Maybe it's just you know residual, you know, flu. You know, I'm still getting over it. You know, I make it through Wednesday. You know, no problem. And because uh, I and I also think it's a fever because Isaiah, my youngest, he gets a little bit of a fever. So I was like, oh man, poor kid, I got him sick. Then, uh, you know, Thursday comes around. I get to just after lunch Thursday. And I start to get a little bit of abdominal pain. And I forgot that almost every time I get sick, almost without fail, whether it's a cold, whether, you know, it's the flu, whether it is, I get constipated. And now that's something you're going to know forever. So I'm like, all right, you know, I'll just get to, you know, bottle of mag citrate, you know, nice good book, cancel my plans for the evening. Because if none of you have had magnesium citrate before, comes a little glass bottle. It's about a dollar fifty most pharmacies, and it is fucking powerful. This is not something you take regularly or often, because it can make you shit until you die. I got the berry flavor. You just mix it with water. I chugged about half a bottle. Managed to evacuate everything that I've eaten in this life and the past life. Um, I felt better for a few minutes. And then in the morning, the abdominal pain, this would be Friday morning. The abdominal pain got to the point where it was, you know, I felt like somebody had just like taken an axe and like slammed it into my side. Right about where my appendix would be. So I'm like, well... I still have all of my removable parts. So is my appendix probably, you know, packing up for vacation. 
you know, I'm drinking water, I'm pacing around now and when I was sick. Because I record this on my phone, I'm used to pacing around while I'm talking on my phone. So that's another little fun fact about me. So, you're gonna to the point where the abdominal pain, I can't take it. It's like, okay, I'm telling my wife, it's, you know, it's probably sounds like my appendix, my fever's coming back, you know, super sharp pain. All right, you know, let's go to the ER. And just in case, you know, I pack my go bag, I have a book, phone charger, my medicine, extra pair of undies, because you never know. And I, I get to the ER, you know, I explain my situation. You know, three different nurses, uh, it's probably appendicitis, I said, yeah, probably. And uh, yeah, I have a CT scan. Um, yeah, but first, you know, I have a couple of people mush on it. Because the hospital I went to is also a teaching hospital. And it's full of residents there. You know, I'm all about education. You know, I enjoy working in the medical field. Not so much in the blood and guts part of it, but I kind of enjoy the paperwork side of medical field. Weird, I know. But that's me. And, you know, thankfully I went early in the morning to check in. Because you get to like 9 o'clock, you know, people are lined up nut to butt trying to check in there. All the chest pains and what have you. So... You know, a couple of doctors come by. Hey, does it hurt when I press here? No, does it hurt when I press here? No. How about here? And then I scream in his face. You know, okay, lesson learned. That's what happens when you push on his guts right there. So they can take me a CT scan with uh, the IV contrast. Now, if you've never had this before, it is fucking weird. Because this isn't something that your body wants or needs this stuff, it's like your body immediately tries to reject it. And maybe it's the same for everybody, but they gave me the contrast and I immediately felt like I shit myself, but like I felt like I shit magma and it was the weirdest sensation. Like I had the hottest ass cheeks on the planet. Like if I rolled over, you could have fried an egg on my tiny little cheek. And it also made me like my mouth fill up with saliva. And I don't mean like, and when you're really hungry and you get like a little bit, I mean like to the point where I had to turn my head to the side because I thought I was going to choke on it. Weird. But uh, anyway, you know, go back to the room where more people, the ER residents, surgical residents, are taking their fucking turns just mushing on it. You know, and they're like, oh, does it hurt here? It's like, yes, it fucking hurts. It's like I'm screaming in your face. You know, it's like, oh, well, we have to learn. It's like, how about I shove my hand up your ass and work your mouth like a muppet and talk about all your learning experience? Why doesn't one guy mush on it? Three, you watch, so you can see what happens when you push on his guts right there. But no, surgical residents have to mush around on it. And then they come back and they say, oh, no appendicitis. Leave the room. Okay, weird. So, you know, why does it feel like I have a, an axe on my side? And then they say, oh, you have no white count. Which is their way of saying, I don't have elevated white blood cell count, which usually means you're fighting a big infection. And then it turns out, through other imaging, lab work, that I had severe colitis with microperforations. 
means I had tiny little tears in my colon that were bleeding. And the first, one of the first things they asked, they said, oh, we noticed you have this issue going on with your leg. And they said, what have you been taking? And I said, a lot of Motrin. And then about 74 residents all went, ah, yeah, at the same time. So at this point, uh, yeah, they give me a little bit of like something mild for pain in the ER. I mean, this is my, this is my 10 out of 10. You know, I've never had something so painful. You know, I mean, I'm sure other people may have stuff that's more, you know, traumatic car accidents, childbirth for that medication. Who knows? I'm not going to begrudge anyone their pain. But for me, this was my 10 out of 10. You know, this was, I've never felt anything this exquisitely excruciating in my life. Holy shit. So they get me up to the surgical floor. And then they give me a drug called Dilaudid. Now Dilaudid, from what I understand, is pretty much synthetic heroin. <laughs> and it's so powerful, they only give it to you in 0.5 milligrams. And they were giving me that every four hours for about three days. You know, pump me full of antibiotics, which is why my podcast was delayed. Because I actually, usually I record Sunday nights. I actually didn't get discharged until Sunday night. I didn't get to eat solid food. Uh, as I said, I needed bowel rest. Which I got dibs on that for a band name. So basically they were just feeding me through the IV fluids to keep me hydrated. Uh, so on the... What was it? The second day. So I was there all day Friday. So then Saturday in the afternoon, they said, oh, we're going to move you up to a clear liquid diet. And then this nurse, like an angel from heaven, comes in with a popsicle. After almost 48 hours without food, over 48 hours without food, because I hadn't eaten at this point since Thursday afternoon for lunch. It was the best popsicle I've ever had. You may think that you have had the best popsicle on earth, but you have not. And I moved up from there to the soup, which was the best soup that I've ever had. Granted, it was only broth, but it was the best and the greatest soup on earth. Um, eventually, as the pain subsided, and it wasn't so much my digestion, they just wanted to make sure that I could digest without splitting open my colon again. And thankfully the tears are so tiny I didn't I wasn't a candidate for surgery. That would have really fucked my life up. Eventually got to have solid food to the point where they said, okay, you know, you're good to go, you've had enough antibiotics. You know, you could probably go drink out of a toilet right now and you'll be fine. And then they discharged me. You know, my, my poor wife, she was worried, you know, because I and I started to refuse the pain meds after about noon on Sunday. I said, you know, because I want to be okay to drive in the evening. Because I said all I had to do, eat a solid meal, not start crying, not shit blood, and we're good. So they said, okay, you know, we're gonna discharge you. I tell my wife, you know, I just you know I still had the car because I drove myself to the hospital. I'll just see you at home. And they discharged me. 
And because I don't get shit on just a little bit, when I get discharged, I go out to the car, throw the key in there, go to start it up. That noise that it makes when the fucking battery's dead. And it wasn't just dead, it was fucking dead. Now, I'm usually pretty good about not leaving lights on and shit. But I don't know if it was just corrosion on the battery because it was pretty messed up looking. Or if it's just bad luck or if I'm just an idiot and I left the headlights on. Who knows? Then this, my poor wife had to come out and meet me up anyway. And we had to move the car out of the parking spot to have her jump it so we can go over and then, you know, spend 150 bucks on a new battery. I say, why not? That's what you want right after leaving the hospital. I still have the fucking tape on my arm with a little cotton ball where they remove the IV. You know, I've been in the hospital for three days. I had half a shower in this weird fucked up bathroom. So I show up to, you know, auto parts store looking like fucking Beetlejuice. And the guy's nice enough to put the battery in for me. And my kids, and they came to see me in the hospital. Uh, Grayson was a little freaked out. You know, seeing me in the hospital bed with the little squeezies on my legs again. You know, the tubes and stuff all sticking to me. And wires, you know, telemonitor, all that. You know, he was a little weirded out. But, you know, once I told him I was okay, put Teen Titans on the TV, you know, he was fine. You know, Logan and Isaiah didn't seem to notice any difference besides my crazy hair. It was nice that they came up to see me. And even though you're not always looking your best in the hospital. But yeah, that was my my pain trauma story. I mean, uh, hopefully it was as funny as the other episodes. But yeah, this has definitely been my, my 10 out of 10 pain story. So I am sorry for the, the delay of the episode. Uh, I wish I could say it won't happen again, but... I got three kids and I work full-time, so who fucking knows? So for now, we'll call this one done. Um, I'm going to try to have the next one recorded and put out on Sunday. But I promise you nothing. Thank you in advance for all the support. You can send any parenting tips, stories, hacks, funny jokes, stories about your kids... And if you don't have kids, funny stories about your own childhood to your parenting podcast at gmail.com. And thank you again.